0: This movie is Western, until it isn't. Today I'm talking about Bone Tomahawk. This is Scott's of Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about Bone Tomahawk, which is a Western from S. Craig Zoller, uh, which is infamous for a reason that I'll get into a bit later. But it is also, I would say, one of the better modern Westerns, especially just because of its tonal shifts and just kind of the ideas that it's grappling with. So without further ado, let's get started. Bone Tomahawk is one of those movies that forges a bond between everyone that's seen it. Whether you love it or hate it, you probably all remember it for the same reason. Which is weird for an independently produced and distributed western that crawled into the movie lexicon via word of mouth and rave reviews. It's also an oddity in the long history of westerns, because even offbeat films like El Topo make no qualms about being batshit avant-garde surrealist nightmares up front. And western horror movies like the recent flick The Wind or a pretty good cult favorite The Burrowers are upfront about being horror movies. But Bone Tomahawk stands out because for much of the film, it plays out like a very traditional western. Until it doesn't. The movie begins with some 'er ne'er-do-wells stomping around a Native American burial site. A bad decision that looks even worse after one of them is killed and another one comes running home to the nearby town of Bright Hope. Because the natives he's angered have taken numerous members of the town. Now it's up to the local sheriff to round up a posse and rescue his townfolk from a band so dangerous even other indigenous people avoid them. The setup for Bone Tomahawk sounds like an updated take on the searchers. We've got a prototypical western lead, a very mustachioed Kurt Russell, playing our sheriff, who's leading a random assortment of deputies, gunslingers, and a missing woman's husband trying to rescue their people from quote-unquote savages. There's a couple of reasons this works better than you might expect, and the first is that the tribe this group encounters are portrayed as an outlier. The troglodytes, as they are called in the film, are inbred cannibals that other native tribes have avoided for some time. In essence, they have the murderous they're like the murderous hillbillies and mutants you might see in something like The Hills Have Eyes just in the old west. The visuals of the film back this up via a desaturated color palette and high contrast. It looks and feels less natural and more intense. Thus, the journey is portrayed as less a straightforward and heroic one and more like a descent into hell that even if the people make it back from, they're not going to be the same afterwards. This is backed up by the film's unflinching approach to violence, which we will get into further, namely how every injured or wounded character writhes in pain to move, or how even CD characters are creeped out by this group. Of course, the question in the back of the audience's mind is, are they really that bad? I've seen, a cup, seen plenty of movies that, that know that playing on Indian burial grounds quote-unquote is a bad call, so maybe this is just your standard revenge plot that went a bit overboard. But this is also where writer-director S. Craig Zahler's lumbering pace makes a lot more sense, since we want the t- want time for the dread to build and fall multiple times before it fucking explodes. So let's get to the scene. Up until the scene, Bone Tomahawk is a western, maybe a creepy one, but it's a western. After this scene, it is a horror movie. How does the movie flip its genre so quickly? Quite brutally. After reaching the edge of the troglodyte cave, Kurt Russell and company are overrun by an attack group, and only he and his deputy are taken alive. When they come to, they see that two members of the community are being held captive, and that one of them has already been eaten. And then Nick, another member, meets his fate. Big spoiler and gross-out warning. In quick succession, Nick is scalped, hung up, and then split in half with a tomahawk. It is a death so brutal and shocking that it changes the tone of the entire film. Even by itself and after years of zombie movies, it is still stomach-churning to watch. The whole affair oozes malice and terror. We went looking for hell and we fucking found it. This is the movie that the m- this is the moment that the m- movie either becomes brilliant or awful for you as a viewer. I have yet to hear a single middling reaction. So what does this mean for the movie and its message, if there even is one? Well, I'd say that the message is the world is awful, but don't stop fighting. Having seen three of Zoller's films, I'd say that he has a preoccupation with noble pain and suffering for the greater good. Almost none of his protagonists make it until the end of his films, and all die after engaging in an ill-advised but honorable venture. So a western, where our hero looks into the abyss and stays behind to make sure it never makes it out of a town, literally called Bright Hope, makes a lot of sense. The world is a horrible place, where even heroic men can and will be cut down by malevolent forces, and that includes your small-town sheriff, played by one snake Pliskin. In many ways, Bone Tomahawk is one of the best deconstructions of the old westerns, because it doesn't try to play like anyone involved is terribly moral or good, or that the world will find some order if good men do what's right, because you can barely imagine the level of depravity humans can concoct. From a visual and genre standpoint, this is a bold new direction to take the western. It openly bucks genre conventions by leaning harder into a genre trope, The Vengeful Natives, so much so that it breaks the genre and blends two together. It's very effective, but not necessarily deep. If Bone Tomahawk does believe in anything, though, it's a lot closer to Seven's final line, that the world is an awful place, but still worth fighting for. The key to all of Zahler's movies is that even if his protagonists die and frequently die horribly, they die in the service of other people, and go down swinging. They look into the abyss and don't stop fighting. In fact, they fight harder. In almost every other movie where a man gets cleaved in half while still alive, at least one member of the party would abandon all hope, but no one does here. They use their minds, bodies, and will to ensure that at least somebody survives, and that this evil is stomped out for good. Because the world is a terrible place, but there are good people that are worth fighting for. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.